Welcome to Callback Podcast number six. On this podcast, we spoke with Scott May. Scott May is a member of the Ides of March uh, band, and you know they, they became famous for their song Vehicle years ago. But I know Scott from the world of comedy. He, uh, he's been around doing musical uh, background accompaniment. He's worked with Emo, uh, Judy Tenuta, and I know him from uh, back in the Chicago days where he was the house band for The Funny Firm, as well as a lot of other projects that he's been involved with. Had a great time talking to Scott. Uh, hope you have a great time listening to it. As always, you can reach out to us at callbackpodcast.com. You can catch us on Twitter at callbackpodcast. You can email us at callbackpodcast at gmail.com. And with that out of the way, here we go. Podcast number six. Scott May, please. That's me. Scotty May, John Novotny. I apologize for the late del- the, the delay. We had a little bit of a, a microphone problem, but I think we fixed it. Always blaming the sound guy. I, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> are, we, uh, are we on the air? We are, uh, we are recording. We are absolutely recording right now, Scott. What are the, uh, what are, what are the ground rules? What can I say? What you can, can say I say? whatever you want. We're, we earn our explicit tags. Fuck shit, piss, cunt, cocksucker. That's great. That's actually, yeah, that's perfect. In fact, uh, that's going to be our entire conversation, I think, now that I, I brought that up to you, isn't it? Wait, that should be our tagline. That should be our tagline. <laughs> That'll be like a rim shot. <laughs> Scotty May, man, what has it been like since I've actually heard your voice? It's been uh, 10 years? Well, I, I would say probably uh, well, maybe 20 years. I don't know. It was... I saw you at Diana Limo's funeral. Yes, which was a, uh, which was on one side a comedy all star. Uh, boy, if, it, if that was a good occasion, that would have been great with Lewis Black and Kathleen Madigan and, and yeah. It but, was uh, actually for a funeral. It was pretty fucking fun. It was. Uh, a well, good, I mean. It was we were we were honoring a friend uh, who passed away, but at the same time, it was really nice to have everyone kind of together and you know in that in that mode. You know, it was, everyone was really just positive and just you know also the way comics do they handle things with humor. So it was this uh, is true. Yeah, that I all I can the one thing, uh, and I've cited this throughout the years that Diane Alamo provided me with. Uh, with uh, was one of the greatest nights of comedy I had ever seen, which is at the firm one night. They bust in a a load of like I, I don't know what these. There were a lot of old ladies. I don't know if it was some kind of Mormon, you know, anti insemination league or something. <laughs> but Diane went up and she was the headliner, and she did not do any material for her entire forty minutes. And she kept looking up at me like, is it to say, what the fuck? And she went on and she just improvised for 40 minutes. I couldn't even catch my breath in the because everything was going over the, over the, over the head of these people. Diane was just so incredibly funny that night. And I said, boy, this is a, this is a true, true genius of comedy. And it was a bummer to lose her. Yeah, a, a, a sweetheart as well. She was always, uh, very supportive of young comics and just, just, uh, couldn't have been a nicer lady. I'm, and and this kind of this this kind of makes a nice segue. Let me uh, for the uninitiated, 
Scott May. Uh, by the way, Scott, this is uh, these are my my uh, my partners in crime here. Edgar Wolfson. Hi, Scott. Hello, hello. And uh, Aaron Gloss. Hi, Scott. What is it? A couple of Jews? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got comedy. You got Jews. <laughs> you got exactly. You know, I know show business, Scotty. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, I wanted to. Um, Basically, let everyone know. I know Scott May. Uh, Scott, you're, this is, this is going to be kind of uh, uh, wild to talk about your life because you've got a lot of different things going on. You've, uh, you're a musician by trade. Is that, is that correct? This, this is true. Yes, I am a musician. But, I mean, you really were in the comedy. Like, you know, you, you really got a comedy niche there for a while. Are you a multi-instrumentalist or do you focus on, on one instrument, Scott? I'm a, I'm a keyboard player, uh, you know, for over 50 years, and uh, and a guitarist primarily. Uh, keyboards and guitar, and, and and of course writing and producing is what I do too. But uh, like I said, I've been playing uh, playing the organ for over 50 years and uh, guitar for most of that time too. And uh, yeah, in the comedy world, I. <laughs> I, I went to dinner with a friend of mine who at that time was the tour manager of the band Sticks. We went to a restaurant in suburban Chicago, and we were going out to get some steak, and all of a sudden they said, and now for your, uh, uh, for your uh, dining pleasure, the comedy stylings of Phil Sultanic. And this guy came up on stage with a pudding bowl haircut and a trombone and started doing the most incredible comedy I'd ever seen in my life. He heckled us. Uh, we heckled him, and he, he came back with a, with a brilliant uh, uh, rejoinder to the heckle, finished his set, and went off the stage. Now, we, we were flipped out because we had not seen comedy. I had not been in a comedy world. And about three weeks later, I picked up the Chicago Reader, and there was an, um, there was an article about how this guy, Phil Sultanic, changed his name to, go ahead, John, um, oh wait, is it? I re- Emo Phillips. Oh no! Oh, I I should have known that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Really, that was and Emo Phillips. It was Emo Emo Phillips, and uh, and so the, the, he was playing, and that that and he was going to be playing a place in Chicago called the Comedy Showcase, which was a converted church. So we went to go see him, and that was it for the next like five or six weeks. Every week we went to go see Emo wherever he was, um, and I made it a point to go try to meet him and I did and he says well you should meet my girlfriend Judy Tenuta she's a musician too and I so we went to go see Judy and introduced I introduced myself and she says well uh, I'm want to do some music uh, would you want to help me and I said yes and then that was the start of it I mean I was Judy's music director for over 10 years um, and then through that I got to know Len Ostrovich, which he asked me to come and play over at the at the Funny Firm Comedy Club, and that was the, and and there and there was the seeds of pretty much everything in my life from wow. then till now. Wow, that is yeah, because that that must have been a big. Uh, I had no idea that your your um, relationship with comedy predated the Funny Firm. So, oh yeah, because I remember the Funny Firm. Um, I mean, when when I started getting the things with Judy, I mean, of course, we knew Zanies and and the comedy womb uh, in uh, in Lyons, Illinois, which 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 was really close to where I lived in Berwyn, Illinois. The comedy womb was uh, Berwyn. Uh, Berwyn. Uh, the comedy womb, of course, was very very uh, famous, uh, you know. But 
then the, the, the firm came along. And what's really weird is I never worked the firm with Judy. For some reason, um, we never played there. Yeah, that's why I, I kind of I knew that you had you knew her from some reason, but I thought maybe you had done gigs on the road or like something. Oh yeah, after I the did. Firm. No, I thought maybe after the firm. I didn't realize that you guys had this relationship. Um, I was the house MC at the Funny Firm for many years, and that's how Scott and I became close. And uh, um, day in and day out, we'd be working with like it, the Funny Firm was really one of the best comedy clubs. Um, in the country, I believe. I, believe. I know I, I, my, my, I, it's something that I, I heard more than saw because I was kind of a Chicago guy. But every comic that came in either wanted to work the funny firm or it came into town, either wanted to work the funny firm or heard about the funny firm. We were definitely kind of a legend. It was like Cobbs in San Francisco, funny firm. There were very few of them where people were like, you have to go to this club if you can. You have to get it. Like the workshop in Houston. Oh, the workshop in Houston, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, that, that, that creates a nice segue. We were talking about um, Diane that passed. Um, there's been plenty of other people that um, have, have passed away uh, that we've worked with. I mean, uh, people I would consider geniuses uh, in that world and, and in any world. Uh, one, of them, uh, one of them is uh, we also have another friend who is actually preparing himself to pass away. He's, he's, he's fighting cancer very... Uh, you know, very hard these days, and it's it's getting close. And it will really, um, I, I know that. Are you still close with Ron Shock? Are you uh, very? Yeah. Oh, very close. But you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say, it. don't count him out. I kind of I feel the same way. You know that Henri son of a bitch. He just might. You know, I mean, I I, I talked to him the other day, and <laughs> this is great. He says, Scotty. He says, you know, I'm finding it hard to talk because like I. They've given me a lot of drugs, and I find it hard to talk. And I said, wait a minute, do me a favor. Whoever you are, get off the phone and put Ron on. Because I swear to God, somebody just said, uh, got a lot of drugs in me, I can't talk. <laughs> By the way, that's the, only, that's the only time Ron has had a lot of drugs in him and wasn't able to talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Ron, uh, Ron and I go back. We met at the firm uh a million years ago, and uh, with him and Kenny Moore, and uh... Kenny Moore for the uninitiated is uh, uh, has a very famous video out there. He's they call it El Cabong, <laughs> um, based on that's if you know the character that uh, what was that um, Quick uh, Draw McGraw. Quick Draw McGraw uh, would would have this alter ego called Quick well, El Cabong, and he would uh, hit people over the head with a uh, guitar. <laughs> well, Kenny was doing this show in Oklahoma, and. Uh, and in the middle of it, he's getting heckled, and there's this, um, you know, this moment where, uh, you know, he's like, "All right, you, you know, come on up here, motherfucker." Heck comes out of Kenny's mouth. You don't see it. You see Kenny only on stage, but you see the swing of the guitar and thunk, and and this this noise. It's just like thunk, and um, and. Uh, all of a sudden, the, the guitar comes back. It's got no back on it whatsoever. He's broken the back off the guitar. And then he's like, you saw it. He was, he was coming up here. And they're like, no. <laughs> like the audience, show's over, folks. And he goes, show's over, folks. <laughs> and he goes, oh, really? <laughs> you have no guitar left. Um, do you know, and, do you know what's really, fu- you saw what's really funny you- about that is, is that is that I had heard about that tape for a long oh, time. It was legendary I, before I even uh, ever even worked in comedy clubs. But, I did not know. I did not know it was Kenny, and I had known Kenny 
who is the most gentle, sweet man you have ever met in your life. Oh, I had heard that it was Kenny, so I kind of knew it was him when he came into the firm. And I was being, like, real careful. They're like, whatever you do, don't talk about the tape. Don't talk about the tape to Kenny. And I'm like, this is the guy? There's no way this is the guy. He's so sweet. He literally was like, you know, he didn't want waitresses waiting on him. He's like, oh, can I have another glass of water? Just, like, one of those guys that was just happy to be working and happy to be doing his shows and just a happy dude. I'm like, there's no, there's no way this is the guy that smashed the guitar. And... Finally, on the last day, was the, he came in with Ron, I believe. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. And yeah. on the last day, I said, Kenny, I'm sorry, man. We've gotten to know each other, know each other over the week. I got to ask you about the tape. And he's like, Yeah, you know, you can go ahead and ask me. You're a good guy, or whatever. And he's like, I, I said, uh, Well, uh, what happened? Was it true? Tells me the whole thing is true. Not only that, Scott, but do you remember? He sent me a copy of the tape. He. Oh, wow. uh, but what's funny about it, because he sent it on like a regular VHS, so it was like, it starts off with like Murder, She Wrote, and then it goes right into like this tape. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I played it, and it's, it's, it's so amazing. And it's funny, because I'd seen it like duped somewhere else like a bunch of times, but my, my copy is pretty clear. And um, uh, at the end of it, uh, he, he wrote some note on there like, hey, in case some heckler ever gives you trouble, you know, don't think about this if you want to spend two days in jail, because he went to jail for two days the club owner wouldn't bail him out and uh he got in a lot of trouble but the, the best part of the tape the best part of the tape scott i don't know if you remember is when at the end the guys like they're like let's sue this son of a bitch and at the end you hear the guy go i want my money back <laughs> well you know i mean you talk about hecklers uh john i, I don't know if you remember um that was a great moment but one of the one of the best ones at the firm we had a we had a bouncer. Uh, it was either what was the I can't remember. Oh, it was, it was either Stacy or dude. big black dude. And this guy was about seven foot tall, nice guy, sweetest guy. And Tim Cavanaugh was on stage. Now Tim Cavanaugh, for all you comedy aficionados, Tim never works blue. Tim is the cleanest comic you know in the world, and. So Friday night, midnight show at the firm was the roughest show. Am I right or am I oh, right? Without a doubt. It was absolutely... It the, the, people come loaded for bear, and, 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 and they don't want Lily White's, you know, uh, polka dot comedy. They want, they want edge, and they want... And Tim is brilliant comic, but Tim is not edgy. You know, Tim is, Tim is uh, you know, like I say, he's, he's a brilliant comic, but... He's, and he will tell you this himself, you know, he's not Friday night, 1230 at the firm. So anyway, Tim was on, and, and there was people in the front. There was a four-top right in the front, and they were giving Tim, they were heckling him to where Tim couldn't do his act. And Stacy went down into the, into the crowd, went to the table, took the entire tablecloth, with the candles burning in the drinks, bundled it up like into a hobo sack, picked it up, took his hand, palmed the, 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 the table pedestal, picked up the table with his other hand, and turned around and walked off. And then four people are sitting there in their chairs, now that the table and everything's gone, it's like, okay, time to leave. Oh, man, that was great. Uh, I remember that night. That was amazing. Um, there was some rough. You reminded me. There were some rough nights. In fact, that Friday night late show, 
they kept trying to do comics on that show, but eventually they just stuck to what was the original show, which is a, a Blue Night show. Um, oh, where, God. Because that was the only way you could really get through it, is just do, like, dirty humor. So that it, it sucked for the headliner for the week because they would work one day less, or one, one show less, if they weren't dirty. But then again, they walked out of there without, you know, the battle scars you'd have if you tried sitting through that, sh- you know, that crowd. It was... If it wasn't... Hey, for guys, crowd, you know... Sorry, you know how many times, and we we were we were privy to see the other incredibly clean comic do his one brew joke. Oh, uh, you know Brian Regan. Brian, right? Tell the story. All right. Well, Brian Regan never never told a a dirty joke the entire time I've known him and was it was at the the club. He's very clean comic, super successful. You ever, people, I'm sure, know who he is. Um, to this day, I don't think I've ever seen him do a blue joke. But he was up there, and that Friday night show, he's like, you know what? I've never had an opportunity to do this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell this joke. I've never really told this joke, uh, uh, you know, much, you know, you know, since I've, you know, started really doing comedy. So here we go, my my dirtiest joke ever. And he gets up there, and it's, uh, uh, it's a joke about being in school, and there's this guy. Let's just call him Vinny. I'm not, I don't know his name. He's like, so Vinny's in the back of the, of the classroom. And today the teacher's like, okay, we're going to diagram sentences today. Everybody, we're going to diagram sentences. Here we go. Um, anybody, got, uh, anybody got a sentence they want to diagram? And Vinny had always been a real troublemaker at school, so he just turns, you know, he's always trying to get a laugh. So he turns to the teacher and goes, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and the teacher goes, doesn't want to give Vinny, doesn't want to give Vinny the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity to just kind of just have this moment. So he goes, all right, Vinny. Well, why don't you come up here and diagram that sentence? And the worst part about it was, Vinny knew how to diagram this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> he walks up there and he goes, okay, so the subject, who's the subject? You. All right. <laughs> now we've got the verb. What's the verb? Fuck. Who fucks? You fuck. Uh, now, now, who do you fuck? Yourself. <laughs> now, let me put that over here. Now, now go, go is a helping verb. <laughs> So you go, you go fuck, you go fuck yourself, and the crowd just went fucking crazy. Yeah, really. Wow. I'm impressed. I remember that. Is that the definition yeah. of a blue joke? I've never heard that term before. Blue joke. Oh yeah, tell Aaron what a blue joke is. It's a dirty joke. It's oh, it's a dirty joke. I mean, and we, I mean, there's there's firm speak because we had blue night, and I mean, blue comedy is you know, blue comedy is is anything that's sexual or dirty. You know, oh, he's working blue, man. He's working blue. Uh, it's, it's actually an old school term uh, that was referred to uh, for Red Fox, uh, you know, uh, Rusty Warren. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Buddy uh, Hackett. Buddy Hackett. Oh, my God. The funniest thing I ever heard him do along the same lines was he took the word schmuck and said, oh, that's the most, that's the most uh, uh, versatile word in, in Yiddish, you know, because you got a schmuck, and then if you got a, uh, a little schmuck, a little cock, then that's a schmeckle. And if it's really small, it's a schmeckle And he went through this whole thing about, about the declination of the word schmuck, which was hilarious. Um, but, uh, yeah, Buddy the Bruce show. Buddy Hackett used to tell this story where um, him and his buddy, his comic buddy, were broke on the road doing these gigs. And so every, what they did was they didn't have enough money to eat. So they'd go and they'd buy this kielbasa. And every night they would go to a different restaurant. 
And at the end of the they'd eat like kings, you know, this really fancy restaurant. And at the end of it, his friend would pull out the kielbasa, and Buddy Hack would get down and start sucking it. They'd be kicked out of the fucking <laughs> uh, restaurant. And so at the end of and the, I think his bit goes on and on. And at the end of it, it's like, so we got at some point we got to get a new kielbasa. He's like, oh, I never bought the kielbasa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, we had, uh, boy, I wish, you know, if we got about 10 or 15 of the old firm people together, we could probably write a good book oh, about the, all of it, I described it to a lot of people like, uh, it was kind of like Studio 64. It was, there was a, it was kind of a, if you were in Chicago, it really was like the hippest place to hang out. And at the, like, in the back you would see the most amazing comics that would come through town. People would be visiting. People would be playing like Rosemont theater you know places and then they come in they come in just to sit sit in you know chris rock would stop by damon wayans um I, you know bill Marr. even and they would come in and do uh sets here and there too like um right yeah and, and as the mc it was really amazing because i was in this weird position where i wanted to get out in the road start doing more you know road stuff and th- it was this moment where i went i know that the minute i leave here it's going to happen i'm not going to what i'm not going to be exposed to the caliber that I've been exposed to so far. It's going to be road stuff, and you know the the it, the, the you know because people you know I'd be going like to Keokuk, Iowa, or places like that. Um, not to knock on Keokuk, Iowa, but it's a shithole. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's downwind. I'm not 100 percent sure of this. I can't remember. If this is the place that was downwind from a rendering factory. And I got up there. I got up there, and I just said <laughs> the opening line was, "What the fuck is that smell in this town?" And they're like, "We're downwind from a rendering factory." Like, Why the fuck would you live here? What, what is a rendering? Oh, I used to do. I used to. I used to go on a road with Brian McCann, and you know everybody knows Brian uh, from now from the uh, Conan, Conan show. But I used to go in the road with Brian, and we we you know we go play these shows, and we played DeKalb, Illinois, and and we had gone there, and it's at the time of the year where they were fertilizing the fields, and and if you've never been in the, in a rural area and smelled a freshly pig shitted field, well, it smells like pig shit, I mean, which is the one of the most horrible smells. So now we get in this room, it's in a Holiday Inn, the room is packed, and Brian's going to do his bit. And he gets and goes, what is that smell? And there was like crickets. Because to these farmers, some go, guy goes from the back and he goes, that's the smell of money, son. <laughs> you know. And that wasn't funny to them. You know. Uh, we had... Uh, Edgar asked what I read. You were probably, you were probably really smart and sticking around the firm. Yeah. You know, I mean, for, for a young comic boy, you know, I, I told... I told a story recently about uh, for a while there the blue they didn't do the blue show they did a they wanted to put together a burlesque Holy show remember shit. that the Newman and Klein Follies oh my god it was awful we, right before we jump awful. into that story uh, Edgar was wondering he thinks that people might know, not know what a rendering factory is rendering I don't know what a rendering okay. factory is. it is it's basically they take roadkill and they cook it. They fu- is, am I right about this, Scott? It's like they take. No, so rendering. Okay, what they do is they is is when they uh, get done. Uh, you know, they got they got the cattle and the swine, and they get done um, slaughtering the the the, the, uh, the animals for meat. Then they take the skin and 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 the uh, and the fat, and they and they render the they they get they boil the fat off to be used for whatever they use. You know. To, Fat for some is used for candles, soap, etc. And then they boil the fat off the skin 
for the from the cattle and from the swine, and that's what they make leather out of, and they treat it with lye and a bunch of other stuff. And if you're, you know, I mean, the, the smell is absolutely it's horrendous. Unreal. And I was also told they use they they actually go around and gather roadkill as well and do that with. It could probably Just yesterday, I learned what scrapple is. Didn't know. Didn't know what Scrapple was till yesterday. What is Scrapple? I do not know. It take uh, what's left over from the pig after slaughtering it. Uh, all the, what might or might not be edible. Grind it up and boil it with some potatoes and grind it up. Uh, then grind it up again and mash it up like spam. And then they serve it in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's a big deal in, in, in the uh, in the uh, you know mid mid south and the. Uh, Pennsylvania. You know, the, the, the rural Midwest. It's actually, they mix it with a uh, cornmeal. And, uh, and it, you know what? It's, it's, it's the parts of the stuff that doesn't get made into pork chops and sausage. And, you know, the whole thing is pretty much edible when you get down to it. But, uh, uh, you know, you, are, yeah, it, um, you have always been a aficionado of food, too. You, uh, I remember when I I'm went to... I'm a big to, fat bastard. Yeah, you're a big fat bastard. Uh, <laughs> I went to um, New Orleans, and you gave me the greatest checklist of things to do, restaurants, way to do it, also on a budget, too. Like, I got through New Orleans. I had some of the most amazing food. It was off, off you know, like, the, the touristy places. It was unreal. You, but you knew, like, go in, talk to this guy, go in, get one of these. People are going to try and sell you a hurricane. Don't go to the hur- Don't get a hurricane. Go to the, the general store, right, and get uh, something else. It was, it was called something else, but it's as good as a hurricane. It's the same thing. you got to go to the back and ask them for it. Then you want to get your muffalata. You want your muffalata from this place. And it was like, I, I had the greatest, greatest time uh, in uh, New Orleans uh, thanks to your list, I remember just ticking shit off and going, "He hasn't missed yet. This is amazing." The the um, what was the the uh, uh, what's that stuff called at Mother's Jambalaya, or oh, at Mother's no, they, at Mother's is the uh, poor oh, boy at, shop. The what? Mother's down there is the where we get poor boy sandwiches. No, no, and it was also like their um, what is it, etouffee or it was? Uh, well, they can make etouffee or jambalaya and gumbo at Mother's too is pretty good. Yeah. Well, you sent me somewhere else for the for the gumbo, but um, yeah, gumbo I, shop is where I like. Where's you know, that? Uh, gumbo shop is where I like. To, did I send you the Petunas? Petunas, yeah. the the gay breakfast place. Yeah, that was great. It was like they had this like meat special, and you I was like, fit I, right in. <laughs> what was it? You must have fit right in. I did. I was like, they had a meat special, and I was like, I don't think this is on the menu. <laughs> I think it's sitting at the table next to me. <laughs> it was Buddy Hackett's friend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Callback. It's a callback. Callback podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you know that's what we're calling it, by the way, right? What the callback podcast? Oh, cool. <laughs> I wanted. I wanted. Uh, we were talking about the the, the Newman and Klein Fathers, and I, I yeah. just told the story recently. It was really funny, and you talked about people used to come in. Well, we had Tommy Chong in at the firm, oh, yeah. and and so now. Tommy did the first two shows on Friday, and it was getting ready for the Newman and Klein, and the lights, it's getting ready for the lights, the lights go out, and waiting for the show to start, and it's completely black, and everybody's quiet, and from the back, you hear Tommy Chong, and that voice that he's used, hey man, bring on the pussy. And it was so, I mean, you know, just to hear that voice. And everybody knew Tommy Chong was there. Hey, man, bring on the pussy. Um, 
Tommy, you know, this is, this is absolutely true. That's the first time I ever smoked a joint was with Tommy, Tommy Chong. I, so did I. And it was like I'd never done it before. Uh, I, I, hadn't, I didn't do it much since. You know, it's not like I've ever – I've never been a big pot smoker. John, just, you're smoking one right now. Yeah, okay. Hold on. I got one lit. Um, but uh, wake and bake, baby. Um, we should have called the podcast Wake and Bake. That would have been funny. The Wake and Bake podcast. You, don't, you, yeah. you know that's, that's – That'll been, be the that, offshoot. Don't worry. Know, don't worry. We'll get that going. But um, – no, it usually just puts me to sleep. But I was—I remember being a kid, and you know, I was nervous about like smoking pot. And it was like, and, and he's like, "Come on, man!" I was like, I don't know, twenty, twenty-one, and he goes, uh, "You know, come on, let's let's." And I was like, "Well, whenever are you going to get the opportunity to smoke a pot? Smoke pot with, with uh, Tommy Shaw?" Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, okay, I think you were with me. I think we were downstairs, right? Uh, yep. That was that was. Uh, I I I, looked, I mean, I was never been a big. I'm 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 more of a boozer than a drugger. Yeah, me too. I tell you what, I've been in rock and roll for many years. I never, I mean, people talk about the rock and roller guys getting high. Man, the comedy guys were, were way worse. Oh, way worse. I, I mean, I, I remember going on a, on a road with, uh, with the, uh, with an improv group and a friend of them, the guy, one of the guys in the group, we get in the car. The first thing he did was we set up all the music, and he says, "Before you start the car, you're smoking this." I'm like, "I can't. I'm, not, I'm driving. I can't." He goes, "Fuck that." He goes, "You're smoking this. You're getting high, and that's it." And he would not let me start my car until I smoked a joint with him. Now I'm all fucked up. I'm driving probably about 13 miles an hour. It took us about. <laughs> it, it, it took us 13 hours to get to Grand Rapids, Michigan that day from Chicago, but. Uh, but but uh, and then evil fuck that guy was too. Uh, on the way home, we had the other guy in the car. He he uh, uh, he gave the guy a tab of acid to oh, take no. on the way home. So now we're driving home from Grand Rapids, Michigan. After the gig, he goes, "Pull over! I got to take a piss." In the middle of nowhere, we get off the highway. He goes, "Stop here!" And both guys get out to piss, and and uh, uh, the one guy gets back in the car. He goes, "Pull away." What are you talking about? Pull away. So now the guy who took the tab of acid, he's standing there in the middle of pitch black and nowhere. <laughs> and we take off. And this guy's tripping his balls off. And now we just let him off in the middle of nowhere in the dark. And I'm like, come on, what we got to get with this guy? So he goes, keep driving. And we let him, and we let him sit out there uh, for about 20 minutes. It was evil. He was the evil uh, who shall remain nameless, but I think Navani can figure out who that is. I think I, kinda, I, think I can figure that out. It was um, uh, uh, the new going back to that Newman and Klein show that you did. Oh, so, so Scott, so Scott, what he would do, guys, he would um, uh, he would be the house MC. He'd play the comics up. He'd do all the music before. You, when you worked at the Funny Firm, it was really like a big show. Like there was music playing. Scott would be playing his guitar along with pre-recorded. Um, other music that you had, yeah. um, and then and then uh, on Monday nights they used to have a band, uh, Tweet in the Expressway. Is that right? My, yeah, it was jazz band, three piece jazz band. A great, they were, uh, they were really great cool. Guys. And eventually Scott replaced them. He was like the the guy that they only needed him. You know, he was. And there would be times where when he worked with um, the owner Len Ostrovich, you know, he would be. Uh, you know, anytime Len would do his little side hand thing where it would be like he'd poke his hand to the right and left scott would be right there with a rim shot no matter what at what point in the show he was just always and you also would accompany a lot of the other bits that len would do you guys kind of had an act worked out same thing with like the funny from players 
and other things. So Scott really brought a lot to the shows. He really kind of peppered it. And, and as an MC, it was really great to like have that music as you go up, you know, and music in between each act as you know as I introduce people, and you know, just that, just it just felt like a really great show. And then we do this like thing at the end where we get like we do a drawing for a prize, and Scott would <laughs> fuck with me. And <laughs> I'm a, what are you laughing at? <laughs> I was just thinking. Of, I mean, there was. There was so many things that were so, I mean, it was so hilarious. It was such an, it really was an in crowd, you know, I oh, mean, yeah. with, with, uh, with all that. I mean, and, you know, I, I gotta say that, I mean, although I never went on stage, you know, I mean, I never went and did stand up myself. I mean, it was a practical education. I saw you. Oh boy. John, let me kiss your ass for a second. Right. You, you started out and, you oh, know, boy. I mean, and it was, when you first start going up, oh boy! <laughs> hey man, I was Holy new. shit! Yeah, I, well, you were, but that you was the worst part about it. I started doing comedy at the Funny Firm, which was like, I'm, I'm, I was that that was really hard to do because it was like I was thrown Ooh. to the wolves. Uh, I oh didn't, yeah! I didn't go to any other clubs to start because I was working the comedy. Cl- I was working the Funny Firm as a as a floor seater, and then eventually they were like, "We're getting sick of this guy. We got to throw him up on stage." So it wasn't like I could go away. I was working every night, so it wasn't like I could yeah. go away and do sets. I only had that Monday night at the Funny Firm to do comedy. So go ahead, but, you can finish your story. Yeah, but the guys, but the guys. I mean, you know, the, the, the regulars there, like the House Improv Group and Len, they all saw your. Um, they all they all saw your potential and they believed in you and they gave you I mean and they gave you the baptism, the trial by fire. Oh yeah. They they toughened you up and I watched you know, because I was up there, I saw everybody and everything. And I watched you I watched you your I watched you build your craft and build your and build your and man, I gotta say, you were strong. You, you never got flustered, you never got you know, as much shit as because most of the times, the guys in the, in the improv team and Len heckled you more oh, yeah. <laughs> than the people in the audience. You know, I mean, and they and they tough they toughened you up because they believed in you and they thought that that you had something on the ball. And I watched you grow into uh, a very very funny guy. And uh, you know, I mean, it's I knew that you'd have a you'd have a great career. Uh, uh, you know, down the line, because I mean, you got baptism by fire, and you never gave up. You <laughs> never buckled under. I never watched you. I never saw you like I saw other guys cave. I saw the guys slink off a stage. You never did, man. You just stood there and you rope it open. You took the punches and uh, and 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 made your act and cut out the fat and cut out the bullshit and. Uh, and became a became a really skilled comedian. Uh, you know, oh, so. Scott! There you, you go. You blush. These guys are right about to jump on me. I can tell. They're about to say something. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, how much did you pay Scott to do this interview? <laughs> First of all, you know I have no money, so, so Scott, I, you don't know this, but there's a single tear rolling down his cheek right now. <laughs> that was actually jizz from the night before. <laughs> Scotty, I really appreciate that. It was so super sweet of you. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I just feel like you know people talk about certain cities, Boston, and and but uh, the Chicago, uh, I think it, it's a hard comedy town to to work in because there's there are these 
you, expectations and and they're just a it's it's like baseball fans they're they're educated they know if you're if you're yeah. not good they 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 um they're on you they they feel like they've paid money to come see you they want to see something you know and you just kind of got to get through it what they respect is the getting through it part and, uh, that's true you know especially you go to especially when it's the firm when when the guys who are coming in the firm are you know are Bill Hicks Larry Miller you know uh love Larry Miller you got you go you know you got these you you got the the cream of the of the cream of the crop you know Mike McDonald yeah yeah oh my god has, uh, he, has he moved know, out of his parents basement yet <laughs> the only team about living with his parents. <laughs> um, there was a. Uh, let's talk about some. We we're bouncing around here a little bit, but let's talk about some of our fallen friends. Um, do you guys now? Now the thing about um, Edgar and Aaron, they're a little younger, so uh, you know, I, I I'll, as many times as I can, I, I kind of try and like. You should definitely check out this comedian. This is somebody that you may not have heard of, but you should check out. I know that I've passed on. The Bill Hicks information to you, Aaron, and and uh, and to uh, Edgar as well. And you know, for people who didn't, who weren't around that scene, who didn't know who Bill was coming up at that time, re- reinvestigating that. Have you seen the documentary? Oh yeah, uh, you know, it's it's. I've got a lot of friends, especially people musicians I know from England. That you knew Bill Hicks. Oh yeah. I go yeah. I knew you know. I knew I knew Bill. I mean, I'm not going to say that he was my best friend, but. I mean, we were friends, and we talk. You know, I we talk on the phone, and uh, you know, people just like you know. Yeah, I'd call him. I'd call him at least once a week. Um, he gave me my very first paid gig ever. I was uh, supposed to. This is this is how fucked up the funny firm was. I was um, going up on Monday nights. Bill had known me from you know working the shows there uh, as a doorman, and uh, eventually uh, he knew I was going up on Monday nights. We talk about comedy and. And when he was in town, and Chuck, uh, this is probably when Bill was starting to get sick, and uh, uh, I think I might have told this story. Did I tell this on the Tishon show uh, about how I got my f- first gig at the Funny Firm? So um, what happened was Chuck uh, said, "We're going to give you your first, or um, we're going to give you your first big break." Uh, Bill doesn't want to do. Uh, he was only he was doing a two man show. Him and Rick Ashton, remember Ashton? Yep. Uh, and uh, they were doing a two man show, and on a, on Friday and Saturday. It's it's a lot to do an hour and fifteen minutes three times every night. So oh, yeah. he, he wanted to just cut out like ten minutes of each show, just something, just even to have like a buffer in case he, you know, just wasn't into it. And it turns out later the reason was he was starting to get sick, and you know it just was taking a toll on him a little bit. So uh, um, Chuck's like, hey, you know, we're gonna give you. He calls me in the office. We're gonna give you your first big break. Oh my god, what what's what is this? He goes, you're gonna open for Bill Hicks this weekend. I'm like, holy shit, <laughs> and I'm like. Oh my God! It's that you're like I'm freaking out. Like, and he goes, "Nah, never mind. See you later. No, don't worry about it. No, I've decided against it." I'm like, what? No, just no, no. Why did you decide it? He goes, you know, I just realized it's a bad idea. I'm like, please, no. And he's, he's got, he literally has me begging in his office. I can do this. I'm ready. I've been. I, I go up every Monday. You see it. I'm. I'm fucking. Come on, man. This is it. And so I go to pick Bill up at the airport. Uh, for the shows, and I'm like, just shitty. I want to like surprise him that I'm going to be on the show, right? And so we're driving, and he goes, "Well," and I go, "What?" He goes, "A thank you would be nice." And I'm like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" He goes, "Um, hello. Uh, I called Chuck, and, and he said you can have any comic you want. I'm sure whoever it would be would love to cancel whatever they're doing just to work with you." Blah blah blah. And he goes, "I want John," and Chuck's like, "What? I want John to open for me." 
John Novotny, the Florida suit. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, no, I want was, John. Was the concession girl booked that night? Or? <laughs> <laughs> the girl that rips tickets, she had to work. So, um, but uh, all, of a, all of a sudden, um, uh, he's like, yeah, hey, uh, you know, I, I called Chuck, said, I want you to open for me. Without a doubt, like that's my decision. I want you to open for me, and he fucking played me like a harp, Chuck. You know, making me beg for something I already had because he knew he's going to say no to Bill. X. But yeah, I, I for a long time I kept the check. It was I got I don't know it was something like fifty dollars a show or some shit. I kept the check. You know, it was like whatever it was fifty times. Because first of all, I knew the check wasn't any good. And, uh, <laughs> I was right. I was right. If you didn't say it, I was going to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's another story. That that place, the funny firm. Holy fucking shit! Was that? Um, I don't think we're going to get away without telling this story, Scott. So I'm. I'm gonna uh, go. I got. I, I know you got one. I I I've got one. That I don't think you know about. Oh, I'd love to hear that. But let me. Uh, I'll tell mine first, then we'll talk about yours. So mine is. All right, setting the stage. I am. I'm going to be careful here because I'm protecting people. That uh, I got to make sure I don't use names and everything. So anyway, one of the owners. At the funny firm. There were five owners. One of the owners um, was, uh, uh, he was kind of a gambler, I guess. Uh, he liked to gamble. Kind of? But what's that? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, what did he say when um, he'd be like, hi, uh, how you doing? It's, uh, it's me. Remember me? Come on. Huh, me? Huh? Remember? I met you in first grade. Uh, <laughs> I sat behind you. Do you, have any, do you have any money I can borrow? <laughs> um, so... Uh, anyway, he uh, he was in Vegas and needed uh, he had I don't know he got himself into some sort of trouble and needed money wired to him uh, right away. I was just coming home on a Saturday night from the uh, Funny Firm. Uh, did you know I'd done three shows that night and I was probably out at Burton Place till they closed, which I think is bar time on a Saturday night in Chicago. Is it still five o'clock in the morning? Oh yeah, yeah. So um, it was the sun's up and. Uh, it's coming up, and I'm just going to bed. I get this phone call, and my roommate was friends with the owner. And he's like, you need to, he needs you to do a favor for him. He needs you to go in, and um, he needs you to go get the money out of the safe and wire it to him in Vegas. And I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to bed. Finally, the owner calls me up. He's like, please, I need you to do this for me. Please do this. I need you to um, wire this money to me. Please wire the money. And... Uh, and I, I don't really know what kind of trouble they're in. And I'm like, oh, shit, this might be really bad trouble. Turns out it wasn't trouble at all. They just wanted to keep going and uh, with their gambling. But um, so what I do is I put my clothes back on. I'm just going down. I get in my car. I drive all the way over to the funny firm. I walk in. And I don't even have – I don't have – I've never been there after hours. I don't even know. I don't know, like, what – like, I have, I have keys. I don't know what key opens what. I've got a ring of keys that was left in my roommate's place. And I, I'm – I don't have the, the combination to the safe. So now I'm in, they're like, we'll call you in the office. So I go and I'm sitting in this dark office. Just it's completely dark. And it's like, God damn it. And um, all of a sudden I hear like the cleaning lady comes and she's downstairs in the showroom. I hear the vacuum starting and all the whole shit. So I'm sitting upstairs in this office like, oh, fuck me, right? I'm about to steal money from the safe. <laughs> and um, so I'm sitting and all of a sudden the phone rings and it's the, it's the owner. And he's like, all right, I'm going to give you the combination of the safe. You'll need to destroy this after you see... I'm like, you're, wait, hold on a minute. If we're trusting somebody here, I'm fucking stealing for you, asshole. And so he's like, you need to, you need to break in and take the money out and, um, and wire, it, uh, wire it to me. And I'm like, I want assurance that this is going to be okay. 
And so what they did was they called you in the middle of the night so that you had to call me. Yeah, I'm still waiting. Like, I'm waiting on phone calls at this dark fucking office. I get another phone call, and it's you, and you're like, all right, Novotny, something goes down. I'm taking the blame for this. Don't worry about it. Um, it's legit. He's one of the owners. He can do this. Um, it's totally legit. I just don't want to drag my ass back there from fucking Berwyn right now. I'm, just, I'm in bed with my, my – I'm in bed. I'm sleepy, sleepy. I'm sleepy, sleepy, tie tie right now. There's no way this is happening. So – I go fine, Scott. As long as as long as you're my my partner in crime, I'm fine with it. So wait, Scott, why, why were you baby talking to him? Yeah, why were you CPCP tie? Uh, that was that was that was part of CPCP tie tie is is part of firm speak. We had a yeah. whole it was, it was a whole lexicon of yeah, inside jargon. We all knew what CPCP tie tie meant. That meant I'm going home and going to bed. <laughs> yeah, don't fuck with me. Don't call me. Yeah. Uh-uh, no, leave me alone. CPCP tie tie time. <laughs> All right, leave me alone. It was like little things. Like, it's the most adorable thread ever made. Oh, it, was, it was adorable threat, yeah. Um, so uh, I always thought a really good character would be Baby Talk Man. It would be a good, like, super character. Ooh. We're like, all of a sudden, like, oh, my God, the, uh, help, that, that, that. That uh, building's on fire. Is the building on fire? <laughs> it's like, no, no, please, really. Not, can you just, oh, dude, the building on fire. <laughs> oh, dude. Or like he guilts people. He like cutes them into giving, giving like, putting their guns down. Why are you got the guns in your hand? <laughs> All right. Not my best character. But, um, or not I think, I think it's actually Snuffleupagus is what you're doing right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it does sound a little like Snuffleupagus. So, Anyway, back to I'm in this dark office. So finally, he gives me the the combo. So I, I open up the open up the thing, and I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta go past this woman, right? And and she's in one end of the firm, and there's a glass door that I'm gonna walk past. I'm just worried that she's gonna see me. So sure enough, I bolt past, and I could just tell like you could you hear her turn the vacuum off. She like saw something. And I'm like fuck, and I jump in my car and I drive away. So now I gotta find a a, a a Western Union in the middle of the night, and there was only one like currency exchange that allowed that was open 24 hours in Chicago. So I'm racing to get there, and I open up, I pull over because I'm going to count the money, and I'm just pulled over, like, just on the side of the road in a really bad neighborhood, because you can imagine the only currency exchange is open 24 hours in a really bad neighborhood. I open up the, th- the, the, the envelope, and I realize not only do I have all the cash, I have all the credit card receipts, and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go back. And I gotta put these credit card receipts back. <laughs> and I'm like, motherfucker, are you kidding me? So I get in my car and I'm driving back. I'm like, oh man. And I, I remember I'm just standing outside the money firm going, all right, this is, I have to remember, because I didn't write down the uh, combination. Combination! So <laughs> I gotta remember the combination and fucking bolt in, like, bolt in, remember the combination, bolt out as fast as fucking possible. Here I go, and I run in, and sure enough, she's got this curtain over the, 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 the glass door, so she has a full view of anybody walking through or whatever, and I see her kind of like, like stop, and I'm upstairs, I'm like, I know the cops are coming, right? So I'm, I fucking open the door, I, I somehow use the key, I figure out what key on the big ring opens the, the, the offices very quickly, it was like, it was unbelievable, it was one of those things, okay, that's the key, that's the key, without ever having, you know, remembered which one, because they all look the same, I open the safe, just by memory, my adrenaline's going like crazy, I throw the fucking receipts in, I'm running past, there she is just staring at me, right? I'm like, oh fuck, I just went right past her, I got my head down, how does she not know, if she ever came to a show, she knows I'm the MC at the fucking club, right? My picture's on the fucking window of the money firm, <laughs> and so I fucking leave. 
I fucking leave, and uh, sure enough, as I make a turn around the uh, around the corner on Ohio or something, here come the cops, and they just fucking all converge on the funny room and go running in there. As I think that I literally skated within like, I mean, we're talking seconds, and I was just like, I was gone, man. I was I was gone, but and they. They uh, questioned everybody the next day, and somehow she didn't, I don't know, she didn't have a good, like, description, whatever, I went right past her. Like, if they lined up all the employees there, it would have been, like, it, it's not even a thing, man, I'm fucked, you know? But, uh, yeah, so that was a, that was a crazy, so, uh, not only that, so I'm wiring it, I had to remember I was wiring it to an alias, which I'm like, is he even going <laughs> to yeah. fucking, can he even get this? How does he, does he have identification? Like, this is all pre-9-11, There's, this shit would never happen now. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, on two occasions, I had, I had American Express cards. I had one personal, one for one for my business, and the same guy called me and said, "Can you go get cash advances on your, uh, on your American Express card and send them to me?" I went, "What the fuck?" He goes, "Listen, I need ten grand. Get five grand on each of your cards." <laughs> I found out that you cannot send ten thousand dollars because then you've got to file. Oh, the, the, got, oh, I had to do that. That's right. I had to wire that stuff. I got, I had to file the, the FBI paperwork. Yeah, and I so I did four four thousand nine hundred ninety nine, and then I said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do because at that time I was I was handling all the all the receipts at night for the club, you know, and I says I'm going to go. And I says if if I says. What my American Express is do, I said, if you haven't paid me back, I'm going to take the money out of the out of the till, and I'm going to go pay my bill. Oh no, don't worry, don't worry. And that boy, when it came to that night, I did. I took I took ten grand in cash <laughs> right out of the till for, on a Sunday night. But the other time is that I got another one of those frantic calls on a on a on a Sunday night, and uh, oh no, I had learned that they were going to come. And, and uh, they were asking about how much money was in there for the weekend, and they were going to go take the money, and I said I wasn't going to let it happen. So I took, uh, it was about 30 grand in cash, and I was the last one to leave the club at about 4 in the morning, and I, I took the 30 grand in cash uh, in my briefcase. And, and that was the, I had to walk about a, two blocks to go get my car, by myself in the dark streets of Chicago, you know, with thirty grand in cash, not a good neighborhood, and and, and, and the drive home to, to Berlin, which was not, which was through the west side of Chicago, which is a tough neighborhood. And when I got home, I called the other other four uh, owners, got them out of bed, and I says, "Look, I'm telling you right now, I've got the cash, so that for, it wouldn't go to Vegas, you know, because we had to pay some bills, we had to do payroll." I says, "I've got the cash." And now the other guy kept calling me, I'm coming over to get it. He put up my front door. He says, fuck you. I'm not giving you the money. We need to pay bills. We need to stay open. I need a job. You know, and I, and I, and I, uh, you know, and then the, the last one was the, remember the time when they blasted the hole in the wall and oh, stole the safe? They stole the safe right out of the wall. <laughs> oh. Yeah. In fact, um, that night, that was crazy. They, um, what happened was, I was working there, um, and I didn't have a day job, and so I was, you know, I, I was doing, I was doing, I was making money doing comedy, which was fun. But uh, at the time, I didn't have a day job, and so they would throw me like some extra work here and there. And then um, one of the things was they had this like telemarketing room where all these like just dregs of society would be sitting in this room, just calling people constantly, seeing if they wanted to come to a comedy show. Well, 
uh, my uh, one of the guys there was going away for the weekend and asked me and said, hey, could you just sit in Sunday night in that room? You're going to be at the show anyway doing, you know, your comedy stuff. They're going to be, you know, it's just like you could just do both. You could, we'll pay you some extra money, blah, 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 blah. You could just uh, do both and, you know, you'll be fine. And I was like, well, as long as you're saying I could do both and these guys are well, can work on their own. I'm just basically doing the end of the night stuff, you know, accounting for all their calls, going through the logs, all that shit, whatever I had to do. And, and you know, getting the, also getting like the, the list ready for the next night for the comedy shows, for who's ever coming, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so uh, I realized that there was a reason that person was out of town because that was the night, well, he was supposed to look like he was out of town because <laughs> um, that was the night that they literally cut a hole in the wall and took the entire safe. It was a, it was now, a we don't know this for true. I mean, this is, this is our speculation. Right. No, no, no. no we I don't know. know I, no, no. I know, that, I know that the safe was taken. We know that. We know that the <laughs> yeah. safe was taken by somebody out of, completely out of the wall, cut completely out of the wall. It was a proper safe, too, like one you'd see at like a bank, you know, like an old-timey bank, you know, that, that big, like, with the four legs on it. You know, like, how the fuck did they carry this thing? Well... There's a, there's a story that um, Jeff Tully told me or somebody told me that a friend of his ran just happened to run into these guys as they're stealing a safe. Like, I mean, it's not something you can really conceal when you're on a sidewalk or something like that. <laughs> and right there and then, they gave this guy $1,000 to keep his mouth shut. And that's why, like, wow. that, that guy's name has never been revealed to me. But it was like they just gave him $1,000 to keep his mouth shut. And it was like, wow. Um, and he was like, fine, fuck this. I was leaving anyway. <laughs> I was quitting the shop. And so, um, so what happened was, um, yeah, that, guy, that kid had just, I think he came back to get something. He left, and he runs into these guys stealing the safe. You know? um, I don't know who they were, but, and this is absolutely true, um, outside one of, the, one of the guy's apartment, I was down there one day. And I remember coming down there for some reason. And outside on the on the actual street was a safe just sitting there. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I bet I know where that fucking safe came from. <laughs> it was just sitting there out like for like garbage and everything. <laughs> and um, it was like you could just tell too. It's not like a people were, like looking at it like because everybody wants a safe, but like it was closed. It's like you know everyone's just staring at it. So um, yeah, that was a it was a crazy ass place. And the thing about that place is it made shit tons of money. And, uh, oh man! Well, it was you know. I mean, it would. Remember, there was times when we sold out. You know, I mean, two, two, two on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, three on Friday, three on Saturday, two on Sunday. I mean, that's a lot of shows. You Holy know? shit! Yeah, I mean, that's imagine every and two drink minimums and all that stuff. And back then, people didn't use their credit cards as much as they did. You know, there's no there was no, no debit. There was really no debit cards the way that people use them these days. So a lot of people carried cash back then. So it was in fact they had a deal where like if you stood in one line and paid cash, you got like handled quicker or, or something like you got better seats or something. So it was like in their in their best interest to just pay with cash. <laughs> the uh... You know, and there was, uh, we're talking about, on, a, on a different, on a different note. Remember the time we had two weeks where the guy who was, and I forget the guy's name, it was, it was a Hispanic name, he played the bad guy in the movie, the Demi Moore movie. Oh, Ghost. it was Rick Avilas. He died of AIDS. Rick, yeah, okay. Now remember Rick Avilas was supposed to play two weeks. And he played the first week, and it was completely sold out. It wasn't even didn't even have to paper the room, and it sold out. 
and then he was supposed to play the second week, and it got it was Tuesday night, and we found out about two minutes before showtime that Rick Avilas wasn't going to show up, and we had the entire week sold. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I... And, and who shows up that night just to do a just to do a uh, um, a uh, you know a, a, a walk-in set was Tom Dreesen. And Tom, we walk him, boy, is it great you're here. And uh, The and funniest part Tom, about that is Tom would walk in all the time. For those uninitiated, Tom was a guy who worked with Sinatra. He oh, was yeah. Like, he was been around forever. He'd always been one of those like slick guys. He would just friends with Frank Sinatra. If you're a Cub fan, he would be an honorary ball boy every um, – or bat boy every year. He, um, he, he was just a Chicago icon. And he would come into the club, and he just constantly, like on a Friday or Saturday, hey, can I do a set? Can I do a set? And I'm like, Tom, we, we literally have no time. I mean, we're running three shows back-to-back. Everyone's, you know, it's really tight. If I, if I give you 10, I'm going to have to take it away from someone else. And, doing, and Tom doing 10 is like Tom doing 20. Um, yeah. And uh, so it was really funny that he'd come in there every night trying to do a set because he'd be around and he'd try and show off with his people where he'd been eating or whatever at some steakhouse. He'd come in like, oh, I'm going to go do a set. And, of course, you know, I'm like, sorry, man, not tonight. I can't, I can't accommodate you. But this night, uh, was, it was absolutely – we just loved seeing him walk through the door. So the entire week. He, he did the entire – we filled in for the entire week and didn't want any pay at the end. You know, Grecian was the, was the comic – the com- uh, of all the comics who were ever on the Tonight Show, no comic had ever made more appearances on the Tonight Show than Tom Dreesen. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, you know, so that was a, that's a, that's, that's it's not a scandalous thing, but you know, it just goes to show that I mean, amongst comedians, how about George Lopez? Uh, George yeah. Lopez came in out of nowhere and blew everybody away. Yeah, he. Um, um, we saw him do some of his first headlining sets, I believe, at the Funny Firm, and. Uh, you just knew, like, this guy is going to go on to, to be something. Um, I remember George and I went and um, there was some contest. We were supposed to judge some, I don't know, contest at the end of the night. So we were going to walk over, like, I think it was near the improv or the improv was sponsoring it somewhere else. But they wanted George to, to come down. And so I went with them. And, uh, and I remember him being really scared walking around in the, uh, uh, by the funny firm. And he starts telling me, he's like... It, like two hours earlier, he's bragging to me about this five thousand dollar watch he just purchased. Like, look at his watch, Navani. Look at that five thousand dollars. And of course, I'm like, yeah, I'm. What the fuck? Thanks, George. You know, I love it. <laughs> it's like that old joke. What do the opener and feature do during the week? They go to the they go to the mall and watch a headliner buy shit. Uh, so, <laughs> um, and uh, and but boy, that five thousand dollar watch became like. Uh oh, he's like he's hiding it as we're walking down the, the 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 just like we're doing like five blocks away. But the funny firm is located in a pretty rough neighborhood, and he's like hiding it with his, his sport coat. You know, it's like oh, not showing off that goddamn five thousand dollar watch as much, are you? Like, you know, he's thinking like maybe I'll throw it at John if something happens. You know, we had a we had a we had a great tradition at the firm um, of taking the comics down to Maxwell Street, oh, now, Maxwell Street up. in yeah. Chicago. Is the old um, back in the day? It was like the the, the uh, height of the of the uh, uh, clothing trade. It was a, it was a Jewish like a shtetl almost. It was a, it was um, hardcore Jewish area, and it was one of the great clothes places where. I was. And before long, it became like an open air market. Oh yeah, and and and. Uh, it was an iconic place in Chicago where you could go buy and sell anything. And at the very end of it was a 
uh, a restaurant, a takeout restaurant that was open air, 365 a year, 24 hours a day, and their big specialty was a pork chop sandwich with the bone in it. So you get a pork chop with onions on two pieces of bread, but the sandwich had a big bone in it, like a pork chop, so you had to eat around the bone or else your teeth would go out. <laughs> so they also had Polish sausages. Polish sausage. sounds street awesome. Polish. I want to eat a pork, pork chop sandwich. Hold, yeah. Hold you know, Aaron, uh, he went to uh, school at Northwestern. Did you, oh, okay. Did so you well, go down that, to Maxwell Street for a Polish? No. Oh, my God. Well, we used to take, we used to take the comics because it was a real iconic... Every essential Chicago thing. So one night, I I took. Well, this is when Kevin Meany was uh, Kevin Meany was was the was the headliner, and Emo Phillips had come in um, <laughs> just to hang out. So it's like you know, take Kevin down to get him to get him his post. It was freezing cold, so it's Kevin Meany, Emo Phillips, and I, and we drive down to Maxwell Street at about four thirty in the morning. So we get up, and it was, you know, there was a, a lot of brothers hanging around. We get out of the car, and some guy comes up to uh, Emo, wants to sell him some porno v- VHSs. Oh, yeah. Emo goes, how's it hanging, homeboy? Oh, boy. And uh, so we get, we get uh, Kevin, meaning some sandwiches, we get back in the car, and Emo comes up and says, hey, I got a cassette from some guys. And we got to listen to this shit. I've never heard comedy like this in my life. And he takes the cassette. I put it in my car as we're eating. And we're listening to these guys making funny phone calls. It was one of the original Jerky Boys. Oh, wow, yeah. Cassettes that, uh, that, uh, that, we, that were circling before the Jerky Boys became, became famous. And uh, so that was like a great, that was a great night. I got to eat Polish sausage sandwiches with Kevin Media and Emo. Kevin, to this day, if I would see Kevin, he'd go, hey, how are those sausages going? You know, and, <laughs> and uh, uh, that was just another funny firm tradition. I ran, I'm sure. I, I ran into Kevin at the Catlass Festival in Ireland a couple of years ago, and we reminisced about the firm. He was, uh, he was always just an affable, just a great guy. Um, uh, the, you're talking about Jim's Polish. Right on uh, Maxwell Street. Well, yeah, yeah, Jim's right. And uh, and I would always take Hicks there. Hicks had to go there every time he came in. In fact, it would be every night. It's probably what killed him. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but uh, I remember the guys coming up to him with the with the porno tapes, and he's like, "Got that one? Got that one? Got that one? Got that one? Nope, got that one? Got that one? Got that one? Yep." <laughs> um, and then he did, he did a bit about it. He'd go on stage and he's like, you know, they come up to you. They're like trying to sell you a porno and tube socks, <laughs> you know. And, right. And That's I remember true. telling him. Oh, they, they, they we, that's a tradition at every restaurant in Chicago. <laughs> you know, so he did this whole routine about going to like a steakhouse. They're like, porno, porno, tube socks. You want some tube socks with that? You want some tube socks with that steak? You want some tube socks? Um, By the way, we just looked this up. We, we found a picture of a menu from this sausage place. The pork chop with bone is two sixty. Two dollars and sixty cents. The deal of the day. <laughs> Um, and they would have a pile of onions oh, on the griddle. There. And I don't think it, the, the whole like, the idea was they eventually had to move, right? They'd lo- change locations. They're no yeah. there, but you can see it from the highway. I know when I go to like Sox games, I can see it um, off the highway. But um, the idea was, I think they would never turn the grill off. Is that right? So like, the, yeah, right. Yeah. So and the, they just keep running the onions. Yeah, and the onions had just been there for like it was amazing. 
Like, but you can't get the smell out of your fucking car. Like, that was the worst no. part about it. Like, for days. And, and if you eat the pole sauce with the onions, the smell, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because just when you get done getting the smell out, then the smell comes back again, and now it's, you know, it's the, it's the reprocessed Polish pork chop and onions, you know. Um, we did uh, a couple, now talking about Hicks, there's a famous video of uh, Bill, were you there? I, oh, of course I yeah, was. I uh, I actually videotaped this. There's a lot of people don't know this, but I was the one who actually videotaped that video of uh, Bill Hicks running the room at the Funny Firm, and it's the one, the famous one, where he's like, Hitler was right, he was just an underachiever, uh, <laughs> kill them all, kill them all, and, like everyone, I don't care who they are, just fucking kill, I hate all these people, you know, it's the whole Kevin Matthews interruption of the show, um, and what happened was at night, his, his his manager was there, Jack Landreth, I believe his name was. I'm not sure. Yeah. I might be butchering his name. But um, he gave me permission to record Hicks because Bill said, John won't do anything with the tape. He's he's good. I sign off on it. And he, Landreth said, you realize you're the only person that's allowed to tape him live. And, of course, that fucking tape, like, uh, like just all of a sudden wound up. What happened was... Uh, I lent it to my roommate at the time. I was living a, with a comic, and he gave it to this girl he was fucking, and it wound up getting duped everywhere. And I was so depressed, and um, and because it want, it showed up like I I literally was in London, and my friend from Australia, this Australian comic, Brendan Burns, he goes up to me, he goes, "John, I got to show you this tape." Is that an Australian accent? I don't even know. Uh, so. Uh, uh, good on you, mate. Uh, put another strip on the bobby. Yeah, I guess they all talk like that. Uh, so he goes, I got to show you this tape. It's the most amazing Bill Hicks tape. And he shows me my fucking tape. With, like lines through it. Like it's been duped a million times. And I'm just like, oh, I was just so like, God, fucking damn it. poor." Because I know before he died, Bill was like, you know, he actually said, I'm not proud of that tape. You know, like, like that, that, I'm proud of the moment because I handled it. But I, I don't want that to be the representation of me because he was such a smarter comic than that and such a, uh, a more interesting comic. Don't get me wrong. That moment was amazing. We were also oh my there. Oh, God. It was brilliant. He ran the room. Brilliant. And the funniest part about it was that people don't know the backstory is our um, people were walking from the room, right? And our, uh, we had these two Latino um, uh, really sweet uh, valet guys. Well, one of them, it turns out, was driving without a license and got arrested earlier in the show, like right, like right after the show had started. So the other guy finished like the valet duties and was like, I'm going to go bail this guy out by the time the end of the show. He just kept thinking he's going to be able to do this in time and get him, get him back out before, the, uh, before every, all the people were let out. So not only is Bill running the room, they can't go anywhere because their cars are all their keys are locked up in this oh in this box, God. and they're just <laughs> milling around, just like fucking hanging out in the like like the the next level, like the the tiered level of just like right by the door, and they're like, we want our fucking keys. So now it's like heckling, but now they're like, we just want to fucking leave. But that guy's still talking up there, and he's making fun of us, and fuck that guy, and like, and everyone just was like, it was complete mayhem, and. Um, uh, it, they were just like, because they're all just like, they're about to break the box. I think it was, at some point, somebody did break the box, and people just were like responsible for just grabbing their own <laughs> keys, you know? It became that weird and fucked up. Um, but yeah, that, there's, that story was, uh, that, you, you knew when you walked away that night, you're like, I saw something that, I, I immediately went and grabbed the tape. I like chucked it in my, my put it in my, my uh, chest. I was like, I was walking out, because everyone's looking for that. They don't know it's taped, right? So I'm like, I'm walking out like just like this thing is gold, man, and uh, and it's sad that it got duped and, and sent around because 
at the time, with Bill's permission, all we would do is like, you know, if we had some cool shows or whatever like that that he'd done or other comics, I'd get them to agree that, you know, back then there was no internet. So we would invite other comics who maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to see these shows because they'd be working, whatever, to come, yeah, watch them at, to come watch them at our house. And so we would just have private showings of these, you know, what they would never take them with or anything. And then the fact that this, this tape got duped was really, really depressing. But um, there's plenty more. There's actually stuff I have in storage. Uh, I reached out to Kevin Booth recently when he was going to do a um, Bill Hicks retro, like some sort of Bill Hicks birthday celebration, and told him like somewhere in Chicago, I've got in a, in a I've got um, tapes of Hicks, you know, just doing these amazing shows. One of them, which I don't know if you were there, it might have predated you, Scott, but um, there's a guy in the audience, and actually um, he's been heckling Bill, and Bill gets down there in front of this uh, guy. There was a, he was with a blonde woman. He goes, look at you. you got such a pretty face. Look at you. You're so beautiful. I want to be your Roy Hobbs. I just, you look like Glenn Close in The Natural. I just want to hit a home run for you. I just want to hit a fucking home run for you. Look at you. You're so pretty. You know, what are you doing with this fucking asshole? And then she like, holds her fucking fingers up like money. Like, you know, like, oh, he's got money. And he, he reaches in his pocket and goes, I got lots of fucking money, lady. I got lots of fucking money. Why don't I roll it up into a cock and you can put it in your pink wallet? <laughs> and, like, and, then, uh, and then he goes, and then at some point the guy, because he was basically basically trying to piss the guy off because the guy's been heckling Bill the whole time. Uh, the guy reaches up to like shake Bill's hand and everyone's like, shake his hand, shake his hand. He's like, oh, and you think it's going to be the end of it? I know it's not going to be the end of it. And he's with some <laughs> dude in a wheelchair, like they're four up right up front, right? It's the same table that, that Stacy grabbed the, uh, is that table <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that table, that, that location. So I'm climbing over. I remember there's all these like uh, um, Latino dudes, uh, and I'm climbing over them because I'm trying to get to the front, right? And I remember they're they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Just I, I can tell what's about to happen." Sure enough, the guy yanks Bill into the audience. He falls onto the table right in front of the, and I I'm right there, man. I grab the guy from the back, and Bill scrambles back up on stage, and I we go up. And then I go to my right, and I, his head hits the fucking wheelchair because I'm fucking holding him. I'm not letting go either. And I'm like, and and and, I'm, and he's trying to wrestle me, and I'm like, I got him, man. Back then I was fucking in shape. And I was like, I got him, man. I'm not letting go. And um, and Hicks is like, John. He gets back up and says, he's John, John, leave him alone, leave him alone, buddy. I'm right here. Come get me. And the place was like silent. You could hear like 400 people just quiet, right? Just silent. And he goes. When did comedy become a contact sport? He starts going into another bit, you know, totally turned it around, man. Um, just brilliance to see, you know. Uh, another Hicks, uh, a great Hicks story. Uh, he got up on stage once, and we had these. Remember the, uh, uh, remember the, uh, uh, the drinks we had named after comics. Oh yeah. So there was all like, you know, whatever the Rich Jenny something, whatever, and then the the Bill Hiccup. And he's like fucking making fun of somebody. He's like, look at that fucking faggy drink. What are you drinking right there? What's that? He goes, like, it's the Bill Hiccup. <laughs> fucking just like, and he just lost it. Oh, my life. This is where my life ends, everybody, you know? And Do you remember Remember the other time that, 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 the, uh, that the club got cleared, but not, not because of Bill? And by the way, we should say that the people, the people who walked out on Bill that night, there were the other 150 so people that were left in the room were, were people who were comedy aficionados and they were pissing in their pants. Oh, yeah, yeah. They know they'd seen it. Supreme. But do you remember the time that the, that the club, the, the comic threw 120 or 130 people out of the room? Wait, refresh my memory. I don't know if I was there for that. What, let me. Bill 
Kirkenbauer. Oh, I was just going to bring up Bill Kirkenbauer. No, that's right. Exactly. I was just going to bring that up. I actually, I wrote down Bob, and I'm thinking, ah, is that right? I was going to look up on my computer when we had a, when we had a moment here. Bill Kirkenbauer, that motherfucker. Uh, well, he had the big, he had the bodyguard. Yeah, he had a bodyguard walk him to the stage and walk him out. That's right, because it wasn't our guys that that kicked him out of the show. Right. It was his bodyguard, and um, I don't know what his deal was. He's, he was on the show. Just the ton of well, us. he it was early in the week, and he and he and he, he went on stage, and he was. I mean, I, I, he did not have, he did not do good shows. No, I mean, he was he he's really, a guy. He was left over from the Make Me Laugh era. He was one of those guys that became really popular during the sitcom, uh, you know, the sitcom boom because he played a father on uh, Just the Ton of Us or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and he was trying to like, hey, I was a comic way back in the 70s, and he was still doing the same kind of stuff, and it just didn't fly with our audience at all. It was just too fucking, just, it just didn't fly. It was lame, and, and he didn't do well, and so he had a, he had another, again, he had a big, big, big black guy as a, it was his bodyguard, and he, and then, but the thing was, if you remember, he had him throw him out before they could pay their bills. Oh, that's right. Okay, so now the next night the, 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 the management says, look, you're not the right comic for us. We're going to pay you, but you're done. You know, we, you know we, don't, we don't want you to be on the show. Well, he said, no, because you can't do that to me. I'm booked here for the week, and I'm going to perform. No, it was, and, and, no, what it was was, that was that's how he ended the week. Um, and he was—he had a contract to come back for a second week. And well, didn't, didn't they? I, I remember that they that, that they put him on for five minutes. Right. We, so what happened was he became the opening act. Um, <laughs> I would bring him up in the beginning. So they they wouldn't they wanted to honor the contract, but they just hated him so much that or they had to honor the contract. They tried getting out of it, but he had a second week. He's like, no, I'm coming because they're like, well, you obviously don't want to come back. You had a bad time. No, I'm coming back because he was probably having a tough time getting booked at places. And but five minutes. They gave him five yeah, minutes. I brought him up on stage. It was like he would come up, and he and he was to, to his credit, he fucking did his five minutes, and he fucking got off stage because it was like you're doing five, and if you do any more, you're in trouble. You know, like they were looking. Well, for that's me. what they. I was instructed to, to to stopwatch that five minutes, and at five minutes, I'm playing the playoff music. If if he's a little joke or nothing. Yeah, he um. <laughs> He was a he was a pro for those for that week. I got to tell you those five minutes, because uh, I personally would have found it really humbling. And uh, but it was, it was pretty great. Um, a couple quick things. Do you remember the? Uh, were you around when there was the uh, when I witnessed an attempted murder outside the uh, funny firm? No. Yeah, I uh, was. T- remember Tim um, uh, Tim Joyce. Oh, yeah, I'm still friends with him on Facebook. Very, very great, brainy comedian. I always enjoyed him. Really funny guy, really smart guy. Um, he, uh, um, he, uh, him and I were, we had done a show, I don't know what we, either we, either, oh, I was at the Funny Firm. No, I, no, I was coming, I was performing at the Funny Firm next week. I, this was back after I'd left the club, but I would still come in after we'd drive in from a gig or whatever on a Saturday night, you grab a drink. So, I'm hanging out at the club, uh, and, uh, we leave. Tim and I are walking out to our, to our car, and on the way out there, some dude. Remember Derek? They used to work there. Yes, I do. So Derek, sure. Derek stopped me. He's a little short black dude, and he's like, "Hey, I want to meet. Want you to meet my cousin? This is John. He's a comic. Blah blah. Very cool guy. Blah blah." So I meet his cousin, and that ten seconds it took me to meet his cousin, or fifteen seconds, may have saved my life because 
I walked across the street, and it was in July, I remember, and Harry Tynowitz had set me up with some gig, the, uh, like, uh, and I remember talking about that, like, oh, I'm like doing this gig in Milwaukee or something. All of a sudden I hear, pop, 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 and I'm thinking, oh, it's firecrackers, whatever, and I see these fucking dudes running from this parking lot, and, uh, and, I, and I'm like, uh-oh, like, the, the guy's got a gun. <laughs> and uh, oh, wow. I, Tim runs back to the club. I jump behind the fucking uh, car, and like an idiot, they jump in the car, and like an idiot, I got to start running after the car. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if they, I, I thought they were just, they just were fucking around. I didn't notice that there was a guy laying on the ground that they had just shot. And I start running after the car, uh, um, thinking like, you know, I thought maybe they were kidnapping somebody or whatever the deal was. It just looked like a bunch of people running to this car, or they were carjacking. I couldn't tell, but the car takes off. And then it turns, I remember it turns around and it starts like coming at me. And I'm like, oh, fuck me, right? And I duck behind this car on the street. And at that point, I noticed the guy laying in the middle of the parking lot and he's just screaming. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is way more different than what I thought was going on here. <laughs> and I run over to this payphone and I call. And the, luckily, the car turns around again and just takes off. It's like, does like a, they realize like trying to find me ducking around these cars on the side of the road is going to be a little bit more difficult right now because they don't know what, you know, obviously there's mayhem. So they, they, they start heading, um, they take off in the opposite direction. I run over to the payphone, I call 911. Now, I actually wound up doing a bit about this in my act. I don't know if you remember it, but I started talking about, because it's absolutely true, I don't know anything about cars. I'm trying to, like, describe this car, and I'm like, um, it's, a, it's a blue car. <laughs> it's a, they're like, what kind of car is it? Is a, you know, they, they're trying to talk, like, what kind of model is it? A, it's a blue model. It's a, <laughs> you know, not the whole thing is blue. The windows are clear. And it's like, you know... Um, you know, and then I'm like talking to the 911 operator. Look, I went to live with my mom when I was a kid. My parents split. I never learned anything about cars. <laughs> but anyway, I remember the guy screaming on the ground. He's like, "Help me!" I'm like, "I'm not." I remember yelling. I'm like, "I'm not ordering a pizza over here. I'm, I'm right there." I'm just <laughs> thinking. I don't know why. Uh, and so I hang up the phone after I call 911. I tell him what's going on. I, I, go I know my, why. Laughter is the best medicine. Laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> right. So I run. And I grab. Uh, I open my trunk up and I grab this like uh, uh, paper towels and I'm running. I'm kind of looking for anything, right? To like because. Shit, so I grab this paper towels, I run over to him, and he's bleeding from every, he's got, his legs are bleeding, his arms are bleeding, and I think that he's been shot in his chest because his back is bleeding. And um, what happened was, it turns out, he had fallen back on his hand, and that's why there was blood on his, um, on his back. And so I'm like, he's, I'm looking for a bullet hole in his back, so I'm thinking, that's the important one. You know, I'm looking for, like, I'm trying to find it, you know, and I, I can't, and I realize the blood is just on the top of his shirt, and I'm like, oh, fuck. So I'm holding down his legs, and I'm thinking, like, what's the most important thing to do here? And I'm taking my shirt off, and I'm wrapping, like, I'm ripping it, and, and I have a really nice dress shirt on, and I was wrapping it and ripping and holding and cutting his, like, cutting it with my, like, just ripping as much as I can to, like, hold, like, a tourniquet kind of thing. Cause I'm, I don't know first aid, but I'm like, this, I, I'm going to try and keep this guy from bleeding out. And I'm like, just look at me, man. I'm start doing crowd rap. So look at me. How you how, how you doing? How many how many how many kids you got? Uh, you know, where you from? Where you from? What do you do? Uh, I don't have a bit about that. Uh, what do you got? Uh, um, then, then you ran out of shit to say. You said, okay, now give me a give me an occupation. Yeah, give me an occupation. <laughs> give me a job. And like seriously, give me an occupation. I mean, really. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, so I I fucking uh, get this guy like. Um, 
you know, I'm just holding him down, like trying to keep the blood, and it's all over me. Like the time my chest, it's squared up. Like it's all over me. Like I'm, I'm, like I look like I've been shot myself. So I'm hold, like the cops finally show up, and honestly, they stand behind me, and I'm thinking, oh, they're gonna do something here. And they just go, go ahead, you're doing a great job. Like, I'm asking about how many people did you see? What were they wearing? I'm asking them all these things. I'm thinking he's about to die, and this is going to be real important information. And they're writing it down. They're like, go ahead, you're doing good. Like, I'm like, oh, fuck it. So um, what were they wearing? Uh, blah, 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 blah. And I, I, made it, I was very careful not to say I saw this. I said, what did you see? Um, what did they say to you? What, what time did they come over? I mean, I had the whole story. Like, they came up to him and asked him for... Um, uh, what time it was, and he said, oh, it's like 10 to midnight or whatever, and then they came back in 10 minutes, it happened right at midnight, and they, sh- and they wanted his money, and the poor bastard was just running cars, he had just come to this country, um, and he had like five kids or something like that, he was running cars for Ditka's, they were doing a special, like, um, uh, like uh, a special promo that night, and they, uh, and he was just running cars, like, he, wasn't, he didn't have any money on him, he just had keys. And, uh, and he kept saying, is the, is the bag okay? And the bag had the keys in it. Is the bag okay? Or, or the res-? And I'm like, yeah. I go, I, yeah, the bag. Or, um, I, I was like, what bag? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then the, the cop kicks me. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, the bag's all right. Yeah, we got the bag. Everything's fine. Because yeah. he's like, don't make them more. Like, like yeah, the, we got the Like, he was just saying, just fucking tell him the bag's okay. <laughs> um, so uh, finally, the ambulance shows up. And uh, I stand up. And I'm like, oh, your ride's here. And they take him away. And... Uh, uh, they take him away, and uh, I stand up, and they just the, all the cop comes up to me and says, "You better go wash yourself off." You know something about you know blood, and you know back then everyone's freaking out about blood, you know. And uh, as I'm opposed like, to today, nobody freaks well, out about blood. I think, I think it's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm talking about. Like the <laughs> it's very very funny. Uh, Somebody sneezes on the other side of the room, and you're out there with the with the Purell. Yeah, exactly. You're right about that. You're right about that. People are a little bit more weird about it now. Well, I mean, back then there was the whole AIDS thing. Everyone kept thinking like, oh. So I walk back to – nowadays you can live past seven years. So uh, um, I walk past – Too soon, John. Too soon. Uh, So I walk past uh, – I walk into the funny firm. And I'm just covered in blood. And you should see, like, the entire staff just looks up like, what the fuck? Like, like, what happened to you, you know? And then I'm standing here, and they're giving me a drink, and I'm just like, and then I realize, like, no one asked me for my information or what I saw or anything. So I go back out there, and they're already cleaned up the crime scene. Like, they've got the tape down and everything, and, and they're, they're, they're just leaving for the night. And I'm like, i got to go down to the police station. So I walk into the police station with this, uh, with this uh, other comic, Tim, Tim Joyce. And I walk in, and I just, like I said, I look like fucking hell. I'm blood, t- just bloody. And they're all like, everyone just looks up. All these hookers, everybody's like, just what the fuck? And uh, so I go to the front desk, and I go, uh, we just uh, witnessed uh, attempted murder. And, um, and the guy goes, oh, oh, shit, yeah, the one over at blah, blah, blah. And he, he takes my, like, he grabs my, my neck, like my, my the, uh, not my neck, but my, my T-shirt from around the neck, and he kind of like pulls on it, you know, like or like you'd be going like, Woo! you know, like, but he pulls on it and he leans me over the desk and he goes, is that the guy right there? And I'm looking into a jail cell like that's like a holding cell. And one of the guys looks right at me and I'm like, motherfucker, I'm not hard to find. My picture's in the window of the funny firm. I just witnessed that. I just became really important to that guy right now. And, I, and so this other detective comes out and goes, hey, what are you doing? And we describe what's happening there to the deal with this desk guy. She starts yelling at the desk guy, you motherfucker, blah, blah. He grabs newspapers, puts them over our heads, and brings us to a private room. So we sit there all night. We have to do the questioning, like, okay, what did you see, blah, 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 blah. 
So we go down into this one other area to like do a description of the car, and as we go in, we pass all these cops, and they re- it was hilarious because they recognized me from a show I did for all these police officers. They're like John Devontae. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, holy shit, are you the victim? We heard about that on the on the on the radio, and I go, no, I'm I was there, and I kind of and they're like, oh, did you give the nine one one call? And I went, yeah. And they're like, here's what exactly happened. These guys. Um, uh, it turns out these guys, when they turned around uh, the car, they drove right past the police station, and all these all these cops ran out onto the street and pulled their guns up. And as the car was driving by, they were about to shoot these motherfuckers as they drove right by. And then they said, we couldn't tell if it was, because they were driving the same type of car that a police officer would drive, like one of those, like, um... Uh, you know, like a Crown Vic. Yeah, like a Crown Vic, and uh, whatever that is. And uh, so, <laughs> and uh, so they're about to shoot these guys, and they realize, like, they go. Somebody yells out, "It could be a copper!" And everybody puts their guns out, and it was them. So they all jump in their cars and start chasing after these motherfuckers because they caught them. And what happened was they ran out into Oak Street Beach, and in the middle of the whole thing, uh, the one guy had a sling on himself. He was he was we had one arm. They all jumped into the sand and tried to bury themselves in the sand because it was really foggy that night. And they said if there wasn't fog, they would have shot him on the beach as well. And so um, we have to now we have to identify the car. All this shit goes down. We uh, uh, you know explain to them what's going on. I have to go to court. Um, three oh, I had to do the lineup. I had to do the lineup with these guys. And there's the guy that I see from the holding cell. And I'm thinking, I don't want to pick this guy because I've already been predisposed to thinking it's him. And I'm already thinking, like, am I thinking it's him or whatever? But I picked out the other two guys, and I've never been good at this, this kind of stuff. You're, it's amazing how, how well your mind works. Um, so I, uh, I, I pick out these guys, and, um, and they go to, they, they're about to go to prison. They send the, uh, it turns out they send the uh, uh, internal affairs after me. Because uh, they say that these guys were roughed up by the police officers. So they wanted to know if they looked worse at the lineup than they did when they were shooting this guy. And I said, you know what? I think you've really come to the wrong place because I'm not going to help you with this. And the funny part about that is they sent these cops to my house to serve me with all this, like, you know, because they don't know whether they're, they're serving a, a criminal or a, a witness. So they come to my house, and I think it's the gas guy, right? I don't want to pay my bill, right? We've <laughs> our guests. Our guests. <laughs> Our gas is like in, uh, our meters inside. We've been paying like five dollars per month forever <laughs> because, like, because it's um because it's well, you know we had this situation where like it was based on previous years and the, the previous year this was a build like a, a new building and so it was like five bucks a month you know while they were building the place they didn't have the gas on and uh, so. I hit the floor like I always do when the gas guy comes, and the fucking cops see this, right? So they, you know, they, they're like, "Hey, we're here to, you know, open up as a police." I come out there, they grab me, gun to the head, down to the fucking ground. Why are you fucking hiding from us? What's going on in there? And I'm like, no, no, I thought you were the gas guy. And they're all like, "Wow, fuck!" And I'm like, "Oh," and then the guy, I go, and then like, put, put your gun down, and then, uh, you know, the, and he goes, "Can he goes? I want you off my." And I go, "I'm." I'm a witness, and they're like, oh, they start apologizing like crazy. I go, I'm a witness. I've already called in on this. I'm, I'm going to court. They're like, we're really sorry, really sorry. And um, they backed off the, the stoop, and this one guy, I go, I want him to put his gun away. And he goes, that's how I relax my hand. And I go, you really should get one of those squeezy toys. And I, I remember thinking, like, the next day at, at, at work, like, all these cops are going to have all these squeezy toys sitting on that guy's desk, you know, because, like, he just sat there all pissed off at me. Um, so the end of the story is I go back three times as a witness. They put the guy away for like only like four years. I went to visit, uh, and he had already served a year by the time they put him away. I went to go visit the uh, 
uh, the guy that got shot, he's sitting in a in a hospital with all weights holding up all of his arms and his legs. They shot him in all four of his uh, like his, his two legs and his uh, and his arms and went to shoot him in the head and misfired. That's what the cops told me, and uh, it was it was really a crazy thing. I I sat in with these cops too. I got to know them and they told me all these stories. I'll save that for another podcast, but. Um, it was it was an amazing experience. We put these guys away for not a very long time, which was an injustice. If the guy would have died, it would have been different. But the fact that he lived meant that these guys could get out a lot sooner, which was bullshit. But anyway, that's my long story, Scott. I didn't, you never heard that one before, huh? No, never. Hey guys, uh, I got a I got a three thirty uh, on the south side of Chicago, oh, so I got to kind of sign off. Uh, it's been a really great. Hey. Uh, it's uh, been real. It's been great, Scott. Scotty, you know what? We've got tons more stories to talk about. Let's do this again. I, um, we're gonna. This is gonna go up. We're we're in the. Uh, this is what a day is it today? It's uh, Cinco de Mayo, May fifth, and uh, we're gonna probably. This will probably go up sometime in June, and I'll let you know. Thank you so Please much. Um, we haven't even got a chance to talk to you about uh, Ides of March. What? Just plug anything you want to plug right now. www.theidesofmarch.com. T h e i d e s o f m a r c h dot com. Theidesofmarch.com. We. Uh, 48 years together with all the same guys. I think uh, I did a show for you like 12 years ago in like Highland Park or somewhere in North Shore. I was, I was your audio provider. Could have been. Uh, but uh, we've got, uh, we're going, you know, going stronger than ever, approaching our 50th year, and uh, the band, band's great. And uh, I'm now going out under my own name. I've got my own band, Scott Maine is One Armed Orchestra. Oh, that's awesome. And, uh, um, uh, well, if this is going up in June, I can't. Thanks, Novotny. I can't even fucking plug my show because it's going up in June. Sorry, man. Thanks a fucking lot. No, you know what? So, uh, Don't worry about it because we'll, we'll, um, we have a website and on the website we'll plug, um, your, your upcoming. It'll be like a pre, yeah. like, hey, this, we're, this will be an upcoming guest, you know. May 12th, um, May 12th at the Montrose Room in, uh, in Rosemont. Montrose Room, Montrose and, uh, We'll be with Ralph Covert and the Bad Examples, and uh, and uh, so other than that, uh, I still do a lot. Of, I still do comedy with. Uh, I work with Tim Cavanaugh and Mike Toomey. Oh, I love Toomey. Quite a bit. I've been uh, I've been producing Tim Cavanaugh for a bunch of years, so I still I still got my uh, my hand in the comedy game uh, with those two guys, and uh, you know, uh, although I'm, I've I've not seen or talked to Judy in a while. Um, and so I've kind of been, uh, out of the, you know, out of the comedy, uh, comedy game, but boy, I, 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 so much, so many things have happened to me because of the comedy world that I, I was Morton Downey Jr. sidekick for, for a while. On yeah, TV we really want to talk about that actually. So we'll, we'll definitely, that's another one, but, yeah. um, but you know, I, I was, I was the house band on Caroline's comedy hour for two seasons. I forgot about you know, that. Yeah. I, I uh, I produced uh, I produced Judy Tenuta's records, one of which was Grammy nominated. Uh, you know, I worked with everybody. I worked with Jenny, you know, a lot. Uh, Rich Jenny, and uh, so I got to work with yeah, the great. What I like about it, Scott, is is also because you know the difference between like a musical hack and you know what I mean when when a guy goes up and he's just a music act, or the, what you do, which is really um, kind of peppering and and uh, and and just. It was always uh, you were you you knew comedy you knew timing you knew funny and you knew not funny and um, you held yourself to a lot of high standards and you appreciated good comedy we could always sit in the back of the room and talk comedy 
Um, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, it really was, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and no problem. And I really want to do this again, Scott. And it's, it's been too long, and we're not going to make sure it's not that long um, after this. And uh, please keep keep bringing the rock and roll. I know you guys did some appearances on WGN recently. Um, I think they can find those on the web as well. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll post. I was just on. I was I was on the WGN Noon News uh, yesterday morning, promoting this upcoming date I have. So, uh, cool. if, you know, just uh, Google my name, Scott Main, is one on Barker Street. You can see some of my performances there, and uh, uh, I'm going to hope hope to have an album out not for you know in not too long. Maybe by the next time you know you have me on, I have all that record done. We can. Uh, and I can uh, I can horn myself out a little bit more. Oh, perfect! That's all about horning yourself. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll leave you with this one. Sure. And see if you remember this one. Woman walks into an adult bookstore. She says, "The man behind the counter." I like to buy a vibrator. The man behind the counter says, "Come this way." The woman says, "If I could come that way, I wouldn't need a vibrator." <laughs> That's one of my favorite. Peace and love, John Novotny. All right, sir. You take care. Miss you, you pal. Motherfucker. Bye bye. Thanks. Peace. Thanks, Scott.